Hey everybody, it's Ryan Jakey here with Corey Litton, Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap, KFGO.com. We have another jam-packed episode for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about some ice racing. We've got some World of Outlaws news with Donnie Shots, our Shots Watch. We've got a winter view today with the legend, Luscious Larry McFall. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can't wait for that one. We are going to uh, review a movie, which I think this time... Uh, We're on the same page. Yeah, roughly. Actually, I think I'm a little bit nicer than you on this one for once. (laughs) All right. And then uh, we've got uh, some NASCAR news and another schedule release. That's right. Yeah. So we better get right after it. Uh, Why don't you take us away there, Corey? Well, we started off Saturday, February 4th at Lake Cameron Ice Racing in Erskine, Minnesota. First time I got to make it out there this year, and and it definitely was an awesome night. Uh, Mr. Excitement Logan Bauer, who uh, just talked to us a few weeks ago, he made a last lap pass in traffic to barely hold off Tim Kujua and the defending champion Tyler Scout to win show number one. Then they ran a whole nother race after that. Uh, in show number two, the top three basically just inverted and Scout held off Kujua to be, and, and uh, Bauer to take the win. So points after week number four, Tim Kujua takes over the point lead in the five car with 424 points. In second, it's the 22 S to Tyler Scow, 388. And in third, it's Doug Hagen with 360. In the Baja class, who had the week off, that means uh, Hunter Cardinal in the 87 and the 71 and Noah Glad. They both have 200 points, still tied for the point lead. Then in third, it'll be Mason Sheelan in the 92 car with 198 points. They are back at it Saturday at noon, and it was, like I said, fantastic night of racing. Then we moved on to Sunday, February 5th, Underwood Area Lions Racing in Bass Lake in Underwood, Minnesota. The 77 X car of Dan Posted took the win in the front-wheel drive studded class. Then it was Rick Sazama Sazama, winning in the front-wheel drive class. Levi Schroeder won the rear-wheel drive B feature, and Chad Leroy took the rear-wheel drive A feature. More racing on Bass Lake this Sunday at 12.30. And that was one of the cool things about getting to go out there and watching. uh, That was the first time I've ever been to that race. They actually did a thing, their second round of heat races. Uh, they actually ran clockwise instead. And I got into one of the cars. It was a front-wheel drive studded car that was doing about 60 miles an hour going into the corners. No way. And they were hit, and he was hitting the e-brake and driving with, with one <laughs> hand, with his left hand, to get the car to turn in the corners. And uh, it, was, uh, it was quite intense. I was really stiff and sore getting out of there, and I was just riding along. So, <laughs> just trying to keep my—I was there. I was the counterweight. Yeah, I was the—I was the fat guy they put in the side, wow. so the car would steer better. Sixty miles an hour and doing the old e-brake like we used to do in the, <laughs> in the parking lot at Kmart back yep, in the day. Pretty much, yeah. Nice. That, was, that was awesome. Along with that, there were some uh, drivers I hadn't seen race in many years. I used to watch race out at Wee Town. Like Gordy Meyer was one of those. Uh, uh, it was and it was cool to catch up with him and uh, and get to watch uh, a lot of those those old guys race again and uh, do well once again too. Really, <laughs> really kind of brought me back. That's awesome. Yeah, we moved from there uh, last night, Thursday, February 9th, The XR Working Man Nationals at the XR Vegas Dirt Track in Las Vegas. Uh, we had a bunch of locals racing out in this one. Stock cars were won by Josh Kane with Dent Minnesota's The Ripper Ryan Satter finishing a strong fourth. 
In the modifieds, it was Troy Morris the third with the win. Fargo, by way of Pahrump, Nevada, driver Colin Hibden finished in second, while Williston's Brady Biella finished in 26. He had a DNF. Uh, in the B mods, it was Cody Thompson who passed 11 cars to take the win with Thief River Falls, uh, Minnesota's Aaron Blacklance finishing in second. Brady Biella doing double duty, finished in third. Carrington's Preston Carr finished in sixth. Then it was St. Joseph, Minnesota's Jake Smith in seventh, and Laramore's Chris Edmonds in twelfth. In the Dwarf Cars, uh, we didn't have any locals racing in the uh, these last three classes, but the win went to uh, uh, David Tevis, who passed 16 cars to get the win in that one in the Dwarf Cars. On that big half mile track with just these tiny little cars too, that was uh, it was impressive. <laughs> it was really wound up. Uh, the Mini Dwarf Masters won by Luke Spring, then Dan Myrick won the Sport Compacts. The Working Man Nationals continues tonight from the XR Vegas Dirt Track Live on RaceXR Plus. All right, then we have a shots watch. That's right. Uh, on Wednesday, February 8th, the All-Star Circuit of Champions of Volusia Speedway Park, Barberville, Florida. Carson Macedo took off on the start. Shots looked real great throughout this whole event uh, and made contact with uh, Anthony Macri in lap number one, which bent the front wing. This plays a factor later because with about five laps to go, Shots took the race lead. But going into turn number one, the wing flipped up. And oh. flipped up and, you know, it still stayed on the car, but it absolutely killed his momentum and actually kind of ruined his uh, uh, straightaway oh. speed. Okay. Uh, Macedo got by a lap later and held on for the win. James McFadden, McFadden rounded out the podium. There was a little interesting thing that happened. Um, a lot of the outlaw drivers showed up early because their event was that is starts the next day after the uh, all-star circuit of champions races out there at Volusia. They had a three day swing before that, but Donnie shots was noticeably absent the first day. And then on the second day he started, he just started and parked because he had a flight simulation training. What? He had, he's a, he's a pilot and to renew his license, he, you only have like so many shots to do it in a year. Sure. So he, he had to miss, he had to miss two races to go do it. Oh man. But he came back with a vengeance, picking up a second place in the, the first night that he got to race. Is he going to, is he getting into airplane racing too? That'd be sweet. <laughs> he could probably win. <laughs> That's great. He's, he's been a pilot for many years now, but uh, yeah, he could probably win a few races if he wanted to. That'd be cool. I, yeah, we should vote for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on uh, the next night, Thursday, February the 9th, the World of Outlaws season opener at Volusia Speedway Park. Uh, that it, the rain ended the opening night early. Uh, the feature will be completed, though. Uh, Today. Tonight, yeah. This this afternoon, actually. Uh, It'll be over by the time that this actually gets posted. Um, I think it's going to be at 1 o'clock today, uh, Friday Friday 10th, because they're going to race all day. Afternoon kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, they just did the four wide. They just got the the formation broke and everything, and then it started raining. And it it had been kind of threatening all night. And it was one of those things where it's we could cancel it or we could run it. And if we run it, it's probably going to rain heavily, and then everyone's going to wreck. Or if we cancel, it'll stop raining. One of those kind of things. So oh, okay. they 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 chose on the side of safety, and the smart move right there. And they'll get to they'll get to do that today. It'll be a double feature day for uh, out there at Volusia. Okay, nice. Yeah, well, if you're listening listening to this today, Friday, February the tenth, uh, go check that out because uh, there may be some there may may be some results. 
by the time uh, we get to that. That's right. All right. Well, next up, we have a interview with the legend, Luscious Larry McFall. All right. We are back. We have the legend, Luscious Larry McFall on the line. Corey, why don't you uh, why don't you introduce us to Larry? Well, I mean, uh, how can we sum this up in just a few words? <laughs> this is it's it's not possible. He's the announcer at the Nodak Speedway in Minot, the Wilson Basin Speedway. He's also been the announcer at the Estevan Motor Speedway. He's a Hall of Famer at uh, Nodak Speedway at their Hall of Fame. A former tennis standout, a former hockey goalie where you got the nickname Stonewall McFall. Former Minot Mallard's general manager for uh, baseball. He's a former pro wrestling announcer. Which uh, that that really kind of gets my interest right there. That, that my, mine as well. Maybe I will do some talking. <laughs> he's uh, Kiss's biggest fan, who always goes as the Cat Man. Uh, former, he's a drummer too. He's a Corvette driver, uh, 16-time <laughs> consecutive rock throwing champion. It is an honor to have the legend himself, Larry McFall. On Larry, how you doing? Wow, I'm doing really good after that, uh, that fantastic <laughs> intro. You know. Uh, I, I knew it was always delayed on the radio, you know, but I've been sitting out in my car now uh, on my bag phone uh, waiting <laughs> for, you know, this conversation to begin. And that's okay. I just kicked back and listened to uh, Kiss 8 track in my <laughs> car while I was waiting. So, uh, you know, now let's make this happen. <laughs> well, Larry, again, we, we really appreciate you coming on here uh, to do this, uh, especially since uh, we've, we've had some delays getting this one going. So it's great that great to finally have you on here. Oh, thank you, Corey. Glad to be here. So where does this story start here with uh, with Larry McFall? As far as the racing side here, we can get into some of the other stuff later, but um, where does this start as far as racing goes with Larry McFall? Well, I, I guess, you know, I have to thank, uh, you know, my mom and dad who uh, um, had a TV shop in Minot way back in the early 60s, and uh, they advertised uh, um, with a few of the race drivers at uh, the Nodak Speedway back at that time, and they started taking me to the races. So, you know, just like I think a lot of us, you know, that, that uh, you know, just went with our parents, and it, and it just kind of just grew on us as time went on. But uh, So they started taking me to the races. I think it was back in 1965, so I was uh, about seven years old, and just, just fell in love with it. Just uh, uh, and for a little kid, you know the, the 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 noise of the motors, the colors of the cars, the you know the speed as they're going past in in hot laps while you're walking up the ramp and you get your first look at that racetrack. So just kind of fell in love with it after that, and and uh, um, got my it got myself in a little bit of trouble over the years. Uh, I took a well, my best white sheet off my bed and cut it in six places and took coloring crayons and I colored all the race flags <laughs> and I would pretend like I was flagging out in the driveway and, and uh, that lasted until my mom couldn't find the bed sheet and uh, got in a little trouble got in a little trouble over that but you know I was possessed as a kid I'd be on my little banana bike I'd make a little uh, I live out in the country and so I have a little bit of space uh, on the acreage and had a little oval that I had raced myself, believe it or not, on my bike. And <laughs> if you ran a flawless lap, you held the lead. If you didn't run a flawless lap, uh, somebody passed you. And, uh, you know, all imagination that we use as a kid. And, and it just kept on growing and growing. So, um, And I narrated my own little make-believe race, Did started doing some announcing. And, and uh and that led up to, I guess, you know, the, you know, my career actually started out as the flagman 
at Nodak Speedway. Uh, and they even gave me a set of flags. I didn't have to use my mom's bed sheet. <laughs> but, uh, I flagged at Nodak, I think, 87, 88 uh, as an assistant, and 89, 90, and 94 um, as the head flagman. And uh, after they found out that I wouldn't satisfy everybody, I got removed from that position. <laughs> and uh, in 1998, Charlie Fox, who was a real uh, prominent radio guy around mine out here at that time, uh, his real name is Robert Ferguson, um, but he went by the name of moniker Charlie Fox. Uh, in 98, he asked me if I wanted to start uh, announcing with them because we'd already done hockey together for a couple years at that time and uh, doing mine at high hockey on the radio. And so uh, he said, give it a try, you know. So I joined him in 98, and and up till now, the rest is history. Yeah, that's uh, that that that's pretty impressive start. So I mean, from even when you're a kid, I mean, like you said, you both were a flagman and and an announcer. So you you did both those roles before you, it was even a thought that you were going to be doing it at the big track, didn't you? Yeah, you know, and it's just amazing. And and you know, every, every announcer, and I'm sure you know, Corey, you've got your, you know, you've got your own story as well of how you got going. But uh, it's just kind of amazing, you know. People always say, you know, do what you want to do, think what you you know, dream your dreams and never even really even planned on it. And, and, and uh, when you look back, yeah, it ties together now, but at that time, you know, you didn't think much of it. And, and yeah, to be able to do both of those little childhood dreams at the racetrack, uh, um, it was a pretty neat deal. You know, I think there must be something inside of you that, that drives you to do it, even though you really don't know you're doing it, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty much it. I can, I, I, I'm totally seeing a parallel between the two of us, which I don't know if the world can handle two people that are exactly like <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, well, so, wait until you invite me to come to Fargo sometime and do the races with you sometime <laughs> then. We'll see if your fans can handle it. <laughs> I don't know if they can, <laughs> but uh, so uh, you know, go back to you know when you first got going out to the races when you were just a little kid. Who are some of the standouts? Uh, some of the people that you really liked back then? Well, everyone, uh, you know, anybody that's involved in racing that's listening down in Fargo, if they're about my age in their sixties, they will they will tell you that the uh, the sixties and seventies was the real golden age of sprint car racing and especially in this part of the country. Um, there were so many great drivers that came down from your area, um, and, and that's what I like about the races back in the old days. Everybody went everywhere and raced. Now you, you don't see the East guys going west very often or or uh, vice versa. But, uh, well, start off from your area, I thought uh, one of the most fantastic drivers I've ever seen was Don Mack out of East Grand Forks, Minnesota. And I was so happy to finally be able to meet him um, two years ago uh, when Chad Hoff invited me to come to River City Speedway to announce with him one night. And uh, we, I brought Don Mack up for an uh, intermission interview. So uh, finally, guy that never had met him until then. But Andy Buseman from Fargo uh, was one of the be- uh, big drivers back then. Gordy Lamb out of Fargo, um, outstanding sprint car driver. Uh, Sherwood Anderson. Uh, from down in that area, those guys were good. The Flying Deuce, Dave Scarry, um, you know, all those guys were so enjoyable to watch. Back here at home, um, Andy Nikitanko was my uh, favorite driver. Uh, Andy was a charter member of the club in '53. He retired in '71, um, but he uh, he was a fan favorite. He was one of the guys that uh, 
um, everybody really loved. And, and I think one of the main things is uh, um, he just did a few things that really got the crowd's attention, like when he raced an airplane at the Monad Airport <laughs> and flipped his car 10 times trying to race an airplane down the runway. Um, <laughs> wow. You know, I don't think they'd let him try that again nowadays. One, he's almost 90 years old now. And two, <laughs> I think that's against FAA regulations um, nowadays. But uh, uh, Andy was quite the personality, and I think that's why uh, he, he was working up to one year ago, by the way. He owns uh, a shoe store down on Main Street here in town, and, and Greg finally kicked him out of the kicked him out of the uh, job at uh, the age of almost 90. Oh, now, wow. Greg, who was a sprint car driver himself, um, he uh, runs it now. But uh, Doug Groves was a big standout here in Minot. Uh, um, uh, Andy definitely was my favorite driver, but Doug Groves, uh, Jim Belinsky, Jerry Lawson, uh, there was a lot of guys that uh, that really, uh, uh, Hank Elbers came up from Bismarck. He was always so good. Um, and I was a sprint car guy. I always have been. That's my favorite uh, class still to this day in racing. And uh, just to go in the pits every day and see those guys as a kid and get their autographs and, and be around them. And, and, and now, years, years later, I really respect them because these guys had their arms outside the car. Their heads were sticking up above the Nerf bar. <laughs> uh, these guys had guts, um, uh, you know, back in those days. And we don't really realize it at the time, but now you look back and you hear stories and you see pictures and you're like, wow, those guys were insane. It was hardly any protection in the open cockpit. So, uh, you really learn to respect those guys as time goes on. You respect them even more for what they did. You know, those guys were the pioneers of uh, of uh, racing in the state, and and we owe so much to those guys to this day. You know that uh, that they got this uh, thing rolling in the in the boom years of racing. You know, after the wars in the fifties and the sixties. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of names from our from our area over here on our side of the state. Uh, uh, a lot of those guys going right into the Hall of Fame that were that we uh, just kind of start, started up here a few years ago, and every one of the names that you mentioned from your end of the state, I knew every one of those too, and those are before my time. So, I mean, yeah, those are all all legends from uh, from uh, back in back in your day. Um, Larry McFall is our guest here on Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap here kfgo dot com. Uh, Larry, let's go back to when you uh, started flagging. Um, who did you black flag the most? Would you say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can remember who I black flagged the most, but uh, uh, I can remember who I black flagged that lost my uh, flagging job. <laughs> um, <laughs> the president, John Gall, and the vice president, Mort Kent, at that time, uh, their sons were uh, racing, Billy Gall and uh, Alan Kent. And Alan still races for you down there in Fargo. Still wins down and, here, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think I blackballed both those guys a couple of times, and um, the vice president of the race club came running up the flag steps and telling me that I couldn't do that, uh, don't black flag him, just put him to the back of the pack, because he's the, uh, he's the uh, vice president's uh, son. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm going like, sorry, man, I'm not, Larry McFall has never been, never will be a political guy. I, I say it like it is, and probably make a lot of enemies by saying what I think's the truth. And, and, um, the next week I was removed as the flagman. They wanted to go in a different direction. 
So um, that that <laughs> that particular black flag on that final night kind of ended the 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 flag and deal. But uh, there was a couple of guys from Canada that were uh, uh, big time hotheads, and uh, and I had the black flag them and the crew several times. You know, we used to have the flag stand in the pits down in the middle at the speedway, and just a, a steel steps going on up to the platform anybody could walk right up it and uh that was a problem we had as pit guys would come halfways up the steps to yell at you if they didn't <laughs> like the call so i not only black flag drivers i black flag pit crew guys too and uh <laughs> and uh if you want to keep on coming up those steps that's fine but every step you come on up is going to cost you another 50 bucks bring it on <laughs> if you want to come to the top that's 500 dollars, and i'm not going to listen to you anyway <laughs> That's you awesome. Know, but uh, there was a Darcy Barnstable, the Barnstable family, great racing family. Jim Barnstable, uh, I don't know if Jim is still with us or not, but uh, that was a big name from the Estevan, Saskatchewan area, and in, uh, in the uh, in the Dakota Modifieds and the Wasota Modifieds, and and uh, I I had the Black Flag Barnstable, I think, several times. But just a, a, you know, he was just a, a aggressive driver, a young kid, uh, pretty good temper, you know. And you put all that stuff together, and if they're not if they're not seasoned enough yet to know that they can't blow up and they have to keep their head if they want to be good, you know, he uh, he still had some issues with that, and so he got. Uh, I think he probably got thrown out more than anybody else that I can remember. <laughs> that's kind of funny <laughs> so you know where does it go from uh how does you go from flagging to announcing i mean i mean it, you can't be exactly happy about getting removed from your position uh and then all of a sudden the opportunity comes up hey do you want to talk about this <laughs> yeah and that's exactly Corey. that's exactly what happened uh um uh after i got let go i think in 95 i took the opportunity to be the the uh, general manager of the Minot Mallards baseball team. Uh, in fact, we were playing the Grand Forks Varmints. I, I, they were in the league at that time. I think their last name was the Varmints. This was 1997, 96, 97. I'm trying to remember. And, and I, uh, I can't even. I can't even really remember what the Grand Forks team was back then. What what league was that in again? I know it was an independent one. Yeah, we call it the Prairie League. That yes, that's it what was it was. Grand Forks, Bismarck, Minot, Aberdeen, and then Moose Jaw, uh, Regina. Um, gosh, there's two other teams up there in Canada. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, the league just kind of started folding up after two years. The Grand Forks quit, Bismarck quit. Uh, we tried to keep it going, but uh, teams just kept on dropping, and and uh, eventually, you know, a, a kind of a real funny story about that is. Uh, uh, I spent money to bring in the San Diego chicken. And, uh, <laughs> Guglia- I can't pronounce his last name ever. Guliantis, I believe, something like that. We'll go we with that. Called him out to the San Diego chicken. We paid at that time. We paid four thousand dollars to bring him in, and that was a lot of money. I'm in the wrong line and, of work. <laughs> uh, we had them all set up, ready to go. And uh, Moose Jaw was supposed to take batting practice at two o'clock, and they didn't show up. And they'd played us the night before. They were staying at a hotel on North Hill, so. I finally, you know, tried to get a hold of them on the phone. Not too many of us had cell phones. You know, a few of us did, but um, couldn't get a hold of them. So I drove up to the hotel, and they were loading up on the bus. And I go, oh, good, you're finally coming down. Uh, no, we are, uh, we're going back home. Our owner told us he'd pay us last night after that game, and he didn't. 
So we are walking and we're going, we're going back home. And I'm like, you can't go back home. I've got the chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I just paid, I just paid the chicken four grand. You better make sure you show up. So our owner paid everyone what their owner owed them out of his business paycheck here in town. Wow. Keep them here. Yeah, so he's he spent a lot of money doing that. But anyway, right when all this was going on, uh, Charlie Fox, uh, Robert Ferguson said, hey, would you like to announce the races with me? And, and I was not happy with the race club at that time. I was just, you know, I thought I kind of got wronged, and a guy's trying to do a right job, and all of a sudden they're trying to tell you that you have to favor certain people. Uh, you know, I didn't. And this, of course, is no... Uh, no shot at the club now. Obviously, the the board is different. The people are different. So, um, and by no means am I trying to bad talk Nodak or say that they still operate that way. It's just at that time, it was kind of a political deal. So, I really didn't want to do it, but I told them I I would and came up with them that opening night, uh, Mother's Day in '98, uh, 25 or 26 years ago now, and. Uh, that's how it started, you know, and I had done hockey announcing already. I'd been on the radio for three years. I'd done the Minot High Hockey PA at their games, I think, at that time already for about 12 years. Um, so announcing was no problem for me. I, I, I've never had a problem grabbing a microphone. Or I know you know you hand somebody a mic once in a while at the track and they freak out. Yep. You know, there's, <laughs> there's people that do not. It's like that 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 microphone is full of deadly radiation waves or something, you know, they just don't even want to grab the mic, but, uh, I'll take a microphone anytime. Yeah. And so, uh, and that's what all, that's what makes the good announcers. And, and I do have to say that, uh, um, Ryan, you are working with a guy that, that supports and loves racing more than anybody else that I have seen. It's Corey Litton. He, the stuff that he puts on social media, and all the races he attends and all the knowledge that he has, uh, uh, Corey has still got a lot of energy. He's a young man still. And uh, he, Corey, you get after it. You, you are doing a lot of things that really benefit and promote racing very, very good. Oh, thank you and, very much. Uh, there, there, there. Yeah, you got to keep that up because you'll find out as you get older, the energy starts kind of leaving a little bit. You want it to stay but it eventually just kind of just starts. You just start kind of running out of um, gas, and like an electric car in Minot, if you start, or in, in North Dakota, you start running out, you're screwed. <laughs> because, because there's nowhere to plug in. Joe Biden, note to Joe, there's no place to plug in around here. I mean, <laughs> there's not. So you're going to run out of energy before it's over. But, uh, but no, you do a fantastic job. Well, thank you, Larry. Um, uh, I, I just think you do a fantastic job. I wish you wouldn't have left Jamestown. That was another one that you were doing that was uh, that was well worth tuning into. But yeah, didn't want to get off the subject there, but I wanted to make sure I said that before I forgot. I'm when you pre- get old, you also forget a lot. By the way, so. <laughs> well, well, Larry, Larry uh, you are absolutely a hundred percent correct. Uh, uh, you and you can tell working with Corey um, how much love he has for. For racing and uh, uh, for the not only racing and the drivers, but the fans as well, to to do what he can to keep it at the forefront. And uh, we're, we're racing is definitely blessed to have him uh, around this area. No, Absolutely, no doubt about that. Um, 
I'm waiting for the roast joke to come out of this whole thing here. <laughs> no, no. I, I actually have a, and uh, I'm going to uh, change the subject again. Uh, how does uh, doing racing and doing professional wrestling announcing, uh, how do those two uh, art arts, I'll call them art forms, uh, meld together? How can you use one with the other one? Well... I mean, you can use them together by just being good at announcing. It doesn't matter if I'm announcing a turtle race like Isaac Sondral in Turtle Lake or if I'm, uh, no matter what you're announcing, if you you hone your skills and you get good, uh, you can usually, you can probably handle uh, anything. And uh, I think Corey, Corey and I have so many common interests that it's just almost scary. You know, we're both uh, big wrestling fans. uh, um, we're both rock and roll fans, but, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, um, then it makes it fun because everything is written down and, and scripted for you. I hope I didn't ruin that for anybody. What? What? It's real. Yeah. Still real to me. Um, I'm, I'm cutting this out. <laughs> There's something wrong on my end of the phone here. I don't know what just happened. But, so, uh, okay. Well, I, I have, okay. Then I, I have a, I have another question then to follow up on that. And, and you just, you just brought it up. So when you are calling a race, you have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to win. You don't know whose motor's going to peter out on them. You don't know if there's going to be a wreck. You don't know if there's going to be a disaster out there. But with wrestling, and those things can happen, right? You can have somebody get really hurt bad out there, obviously. But uh, if everything goes right, you you know the outcome. So how do yep. you how do you keep the same energy and the same sort of uh, uh, element of surprise or uh, it, it's like it's like when when you when you know because you were a kid and you snuck into you know wherever mom wraps up the gifts and you saw what you got and now on Christmas morning you have to pretend like you're totally shocked and, <laughs> and happy and surprised. How do you keep that same level of excitement from the racetrack to the to alongside the wrestling ring? Well, because if you've watched wrestling at all and you've listened to announcers, and that's one thing, you have to learn by listening to different announcers. I don't care what sport you're doing. You have to listen and say, boy, that guy shouldn't have said that. He didn't really present that well. Or, boy, that guy is spot on. I'm going to use that one. (laughs) I'm going to do that. You know, And, And I think there's a few things that I've done in 25 years that I can honestly say some of the tracks around here are copying because they heard me do it. Nobody ever used to play music around here in between races. Uh, all they had was the national anthem, and that's about all they had. And it was on a cassette tape or a CD or something. And all of a sudden, somebody comes along that's playing, you know, music all the time. But so you got to you get to listen to these guys. Nothing is more fun than doing that pro wrestling. That that was so darn fun. I mean, that's what keeps you going is because you have to put yourself in that persona. And then you just stay with it and ride it. And the experience that you've seen by watching these, you know, these pro announcers on TV. Um, like, I remember we had, I, I did four of them, and they were all at a hotel on North Hill that used to be the Vegas. I think now they just rent out rooms to, you know, weekly rooms to guys. But that's where we had it at. And when I drove up, I was just me. Uh-huh. And as soon as I walked in that door, I was Luscious Larry. 
<laughs> and it was a com- you know it was a completely you know and I I bleached the hair blonde and I'd spike it straight up and I'd have the mullet in the back and I'd have a black suit on with a wild tie and boisterous. I decided I was going to be a boisterous color man that uh, only liked the bad guys. Sure. And all the good guys could just go away. <laughs> and so I was I was the heel announcer. And, you know, this was an They're still wrestling in mine. They've got a different name for it now. Was that it Outlaw? It was Northern Outlaw Wrestling. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was going to ask if it was Outlaw Wrestling that you announced for. So, yeah. It was Northern Outlaw Wrestling, yeah, uh, but now it's changed. There's a different name to it. They're still operating a few events, I guess, here in Minot. But uh, well, I had, you know, it wasn't that real big event. We probably had maybe a hundred people watching. You know, some people standing up on the balcony. But I didn't make any friends in that crowd. <laughs> you know, it was such a small. It was such a small area that they could hear everything you were saying. You yeah. know. And, uh, I, boy, I did, I, there's people throwing plastic bottles after matches and, yeah. and I'd stand up and I'd be yelling at, uh, at the wrestler, just ripping on them and, <laughs> you know, and then they had the little note, make sure you move your laptop off the table halfway through the match because they're going to put a guy through your table. Sure. So, you know, so, so that's the stuff that was scripted that helped because I didn't really want my own laptop to get right um but uh you just stay in that you just stay in that mode and 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 you just you just keep going with it and then you just feed off the people that you know are not happy because you're a heel right and uh you got the heel wrestlers coming by high-fiving you you got the good guys (laughs) coming by yelling at you then you know you've done your job yeah and uh it just it, it was just so fun i've never had any I've never had any more fun ever than than announcing those uh, wrestling for a few of those things. It was, and then as soon as you walk back out the door, uh, you're Larry McFall again, and you're heading to McDonald's to get some food before you go home. <laughs> you know, that's you, good. You, you no longer have Luscious Larry's wallet when you walk out of the motel. You can't go get that Luscious dinner. You got to go to Mickey D's. That's great. <laughs> well, uh, Larry, uh, the. Now, from there also, uh, I mean, you had a really long career announcing out at the uh, Nodak Speedway. You also announced out at Williston Basin Speedway, Estevan Motor Speedway uh, uh, quite a bit, too. Um, that kind of leads to a little bit of a thing here where you did, uh, you're did. you one of the main voices of the, the uh, Dakota Classic Mod Tour for many years out there. How much fun? Well, first off, how did you get hooked up with that gig, and how much fun did you have while you did it? Oh, I had a blast doing it. Uh, we just, uh, Lindsay Lawson was my partner at that time. Uh, and that's why I have to mention my partners too in Minot, uh, uh, before I forget that, uh, Robert Ferguson was the first one, then Lindsay Lawson for 10 years. Then Chad Hoff helped me for, uh, I think two or three years. And since then now it's been Nick Holberg. Last year, we brought a kid on um, named Brendan Grover that announces in Devil's Lake, real young kid, big, uh, does a lot of eye racing stuff. And, He's got a production company now, I too, I think, down in your area, down around there. Uh, he helped out. And then, of course, Brandon Beater uh, with Darn TV uh, helped announce and, and, of course, does all the webcasting there. So it was just a situation where Lindsay told me one day that we had a chance to do the tour that John Gartner had contacted him. And so we started doing the uh, tour together. And uh, I honestly would have never left the tour Um uh, just one one year, Lindsay told me that uh, him and John, and him and Gartner decided to uh, 
moved me out and bring in Nick Holberg. So I was uh, removed from the Dakota Classic Modified Tour, I think for one year, and then uh, Nick saw how grueling it was. And you know how grueling it is, Corey. Yep. <laughs> and uh, he didn't want no part of that. He didn't want, he wasn't enjoying six nights out on the road, you know, in motels doing that. It just wasn't for him. So so he, uh, uh, at that time, said that he didn't want to do it anymore. So uh, that's when you and Chad took over. And uh, Barry Braun said, hey, he goes, I know you never wanted to leave the tour in the first place. So how would you like to help these guys uh, on the tour? And Barry told me that I could do the whole thing with you and Chad those two years. But, uh, you know, you guys were the announcers now. I didn't want to be a third guy in there. You know, I felt very uncomfortable doing it because I know if I was one of the two guys and they would say, okay, here comes this third guy, uh, you know, that's going to take time away from your work. You know, so I, I just didn't really want to do that, but Barry talked me into it, and I'm glad he did because I had a blast with uh, you and Chad. We did Williston and Minot together uh, those two straight years. Um, and then once, of course, Barry was out of the picture, then that option wasn't there for me anymore uh, to be able to uh, work because uh, that was kind of all set up by Barry. Um, so that was kind of the story with the classic tour. Um, it, uh, I loved it. It, 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 you follow racing a lot more than I do. So at that time, when I first started the tour, I didn't really know any of those guys because I wasn't following racing down in Iowa and Minnesota and Nebraska. I just followed North Dakota racing. So uh, I had to learn all the names, all the cars, what they looked like. Uh, I had to start talking to the drivers to get to know them a little bit and, and then after a couple of years, that, that really opened my eyes to um, getting some streaming services started coming into play at that time. And uh, now I can watch that stuff. And so um, now I watch a lot of racing from down there now. But at that time, I didn't really know anybody. So that was the hardest thing about it is because you got to know the guys. We brought the guy on to help one night in Williston, and he didn't know anybody. And so his call was, well, car eight is now passing car five, you know, and he couldn't look at his sheet fast enough to, to pull up the name. By the time you look down at your sheet and look back up, it's over, you know? Yeah. So it was hard to, uh, you have to be good. You ha And so I felt bad the first year or two because I felt like a rookie again, even though I'd been announcing, I think at that time for 18 years or something or whatever it is already. Uh, but then I got comfortable I think the last couple of years we did it, uh, I didn't have to look at a roster sheet very much, uh, just like you and Corey, uh, you and uh, Chad now. You guys don't have to refer to sheets very often to know who that driver is. And once you get to that point where you can just watch the race and call it without having to look at a sheet or look at a computer screen, if you know it that well, then that's now you've hit overdrive. Now, now that's when you're going to get good and you're going to get smooth and there's not going to be any hesitation looking at a sheet. Well, those people that are watching and listening to you now are going like, wow, this guy's good. He's smooth. He rolls right through the lineup. Uh, he knows everybody. And, and now you've got the fans hooked. If you're not good, they're going to be going, God, this guy really sucks. I wish they'd find somebody else. And, you know, and then you have to fight that for a few years to get your fans' confidence back. Right. So... 
Um, but the Dakota tour, that was that, uh, I don't, I couldn't have done the whole thing with you and, uh, um, Chad, because for me at my age now, I'll turn 65 in June and, uh, it just gets, it's starting to get hard to do that six, uh, nights in a hotel. I mean, uh, I'm pretty, I was pretty wiped out the last nights when we finally did roll it up that couple of my last couple of years. Uh, you start running out of energy. I know I've talked about that tonight already. Uh, but that's one thing that uh, eventually will start, you know, chipping away at you, and it, it makes it harder to do your job. Well, what needs to happen, and I'm not by any means really complaining much, uh, the thing that really wears you out on that tour are the stairs. <laughs> the stairs oh. to get to the top of the grandstands in Minot and uh, Mandan especially are, are pretty brutal, especially when you get to, if you do two days in a row in, the la- in, in Minot or two days in a row in Mandan, it can be pretty rough. So they need some elevators. Yeah, people people don't realize that. Well, yeah, and that's unfortunate. The Minot's Grandstand, when it was built in 2010, it was supposed to include uh, an elevator. That's why, if you've ever been in Minot's Grandstand, you people that are listening, that's why that big wide area is on top. They made a wide walkway up there so the wheelchairs uh, could get around, you know, uh, easily if you wanted to be up on top, or they could have dropped them off on the second tier if they would have had an elevator or they could have stayed down on the bottom, and now they have no choice. Uh, the people that can't make it up there. Uh, I've had people come up to me, how in the hell can you get up there? Uh, how do you go up there every every week, you know? Because I'm not the skinniest guy in the shed, you know? I, I'm carrying some extra weight, which doesn't help, and, and it does mm-hmm. get hard. And I've watched people come walking up to pick out a seat, and they're looking up like they want to go further, and then they'll say something to each other, and then they'll sit down. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> like one of them has given up completely. On, uh, that, but there's the only good thing is we don't have anybody come up and yell at us anymore. <laughs> they give up. I mean, we're in the Baghdad bunker on the top of the grandstand, and, and, and they don't even bother running up and arguing anymore because it's, it's way too far up. So you are protected, but, yeah, the steps, the steps uh, they're a killer. And that's why an old guy like me decides, okay, once I'm up here, I'm not going back down until the show's over. And uh, there's no bathroom up there, folks. So uh, figure it out. Use your imagination. <laughs> uh, Larry McFall is our guest here on Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap uh, on KFGO.com. Uh, Larry, before, I mean, uh, I can't let this uh, this uh, subject not be, uh, not be uh, checked out here. You are a 16-time consecutive champion of the roosting rock federation first off what is that <laughs> there is absolutely no way that you could describe the game of roosting rock to people uh, if they can't see it uh by themselves but uh uh what's the best way to explain this uh we've got a place out west of my house that is on the top of a coulee hill that overlooks the uh, gasman coulee train bridge and some spectacular sunsets so uh, we used to go out there uh, in my early 20s, and we'd sit on out there, and uh, we would watch the sun go down and just hang out on nice summer nights. And uh, halfway down the hill, there's this huge rock that the glacier must have decided this was a good place to put it. And it's all by itself on the side of the hill, and it's about, uh, it's about 70 feet away. 24 of those feet are on the level ground, and then it dips downhill towards the target 
And I just started picking up some uh, field rocks one night and started throwing at it just to try to hit it as we're waiting for the sun to go down. And, and uh, I go, hey, you know what? Let's, uh, let's grab 10 rocks. And uh, if you hit it in the air, it's two. And if you hit it on the bounce, it's one. Let's just have a little, let's just have a little something to do here while we're watching, waiting for the sun to go down. So that was what we did, and we had a blast. <laughs> and uh, some of my other friends go, oh, geez, that's stupid. What are you doing throwing rocks at a rock and playing games? And I go, well, somebody decided to drill holes in bowling balls and roll them at pins. Somebody decided to do that. Somebody decided to take horseshoes and throw them at a stake. That's how you invent all games. So <laughs> why is this so stupid? It's a, it's a new game that we invented, and we invented it in 1984. And by 1990s, we started with two guys, then three guys, then four guys. We wanted to keep it small because it, it, we just thought it was a little unusual. And uh, by 1997, we had 34 guys playing. We had some of the prominent attorneys and lawyers in Minot playing. We had the mayor out there one time. <laughs> uh, we had two of the biggest attorneys in Minot sitting on lawn chairs under umbrellas, keeping score on a dry erase marker. Uh, then we got to where we had 14-man tournaments to try to get number one to challenge into the champions. I mean, it was huge. I mean, every it was a big deal. The only thing is we didn't own the land. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that started causing a problem with the farmer that uh, didn't want us on his land, parked on his land, throwing. And then the other side where the rock is in the pasture, that was... Uh, just school-appropriated land at that time. It's now owned by the Park District, who I work for at the uh, Mesa, Mesa Arena's ICE Operations Manager. So technically now, the place I work for owns the rock, and the farmer that used to give us so much crap passed away. So there are some rumors that uh, this summer in 2023, after a 23-year hiatus uh, since the year 2000, there might be a rock tournament this summer. If that and, comes, uh, that if that is, comes back, I know you got it. you heard it here first, folks. If that KFTO. comes back, I'm coming. I, I'm out there. I'm, <laughs> I am. I will. I will borrow Donnie Schatz's jet to fly all the way over there to Minot. He knows. He knows the route. <laughs> He's from there. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna fly out there. I'm gonna get out there as soon as I possibly can. And I gotta play. I gotta participate in this tournament. <laughs> this sounds Donnie real. Got it, Don. <laughs> Donnie got it. Or excuse me, Donnie just got his uh, pilot's license recertified too. So that's right. Yeah. Yep. he's good to go. Well, <laughs> he's good to go. Well, Larry, uh, we really appreciate you coming on here today and talking with us. Uh, this was a this is really fun. I re I mean, uh, me personally, you know, knowing who you were before I met you, uh, I mean, it was always great to work with you. You're uh, you're a load of fun. Uh, I, and. Uh, and just you know, one of the greatest. The legend isn't just a nickname; it is absolutely your. You've earned that title. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, I got I got one more thing that I do want to tell you, Corey. Sure. Um, you asked me to come on for the interview a couple of weeks ago. Well, since then, um, and you guys will be the first to know, I have resigned as the Nodak Speedway announcer and the Williston Basin Speedway announcer. I resigned my positions last week, so. Um, I am, I don't know if I, I don't want to call it retired because if Corey Litton calls and says, Hey, do you want to come down next Friday and help me, uh, for a night? I'm there. You know, if, if, uh, Chad Hoff and Grand Forks call me and they need me to fill in like they did one time, 
uh, Estevan calls and wants me to fill in, you know, definitely go up there. But uh, as far as Minot and Williston uh, are concerned, um, I, I did resign. So I do have some, I do have some more time freed up now to, to do some stuff that I want to do that I was never able to do when I was busy every Saturday and Sunday. Well, that's some that's some big news right there. I mean, uh, yeah, you're pretty much the mainstay out there at Nodak Speedway. So, man, that's 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 a huge announcement out there. Uh, that that has me thinking a little bit here, though. I mean, you announced a lot of the racetracks in uh, North Dakota already. There there can't be that many in operation that you haven't announced at yet. Have there? Uh, no, there's not. The Red River Valley Speedway uh, is one of the only ones, uh, and then the one that uh, uh, your friend. Uh, um, God, I can't think of his name now. Is it Scott? It's um, Scott Carblum? Yes. Oh, Cheyenne Speedway? Uh, yeah, I've never done Cheyenne Speedway because they're, they're always on Sunday nights. Right, so, and now, now um, they switch to yeah. Thursday nights. So, I mean, you, you might have the opportunity to come down there if they uh, – I, I, I might you pull know, I some strings. Thursday would work. I, I did the Geographical Center Speedway and Rugby for 13 years. And we raced on Thursday nights to start, and uh, for a small track with nobody else racing, that Thursday night actually worked out really well. So I think that will work out good for them. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Red River Valley Speedway in Fargo is the only track that I have not, uh, in West Fargo, excuse me, it's the only track that I have, the major track that I haven't announced that. So, well, we might have to figure um, out that's something why I keep here. On, that's why I keep on throwing those hints out there, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> If I was allowed to hire people, there would be a lot of people working with me right now. You'd be one of them. Um, <laughs> but again, Larry, thank you for taking time to come on here with us today. We really appreciate you coming out here, and uh, of course, being so flexible too on this one. We had uh, had to take it, we had to move it back a day for the interview, uh, and uh, just just coming on here and giving a fantastic interview. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks, Cor. I'll see you around the summer, Ryan. Uh, you take care as well, and hopefully, see you guys down the road That's at a, a track sometime this year. Sounds really good. Thank you, Larry. The legend, Luscious Larry McFall. All right, that was the legend, Luscious Larry McFall. Uh, great to have him on. Seems like a great guy. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was fun. So moving on, spoiler alert. That's right. Uh, we both, uh, you came up with this idea from the list that we kind of made up. Uh, uh, this is a trading paint. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Um, well, we got to get through the bad ones too. All um, right. 2019 action drama rated R. It is, uh, I don't even know why it's rated I'm not R. sure why either. That was interesting to they me. Hardly, go ahead. Hardly even swore in that movie. Um, and when they did, it sounded forced. <laughs> Wait, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, it's one hour and 27 minutes. You can watch it on Netflix if you ha- have the account. Director... Uh, Karzan Cater. Um, it stars John Travolta as Sam the Man Monroe. Mm-hmm. Shania Twain as Becca. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Madsen as Bob Ledfoot Linsky. Uh, Toby Sebastian as Cam Monroe. Rosabella Lornetti, uh, Sellers, who plays Cindy. She is the wife, uh, girlfriend of Cam Monroe. Kevin Dunn, who plays Stumpy. Barry Corbin plays Sheriff Buck Taylor, but might as well have been Big John from the Six Pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and the racetrack was played by Talladega Short Track, so that was the one thing that I really liked. Um, the story is Sam Monroe is a retired race car driver turned team owner for his son Cam, who is cheap with his equipment, and that causes a rift between the two, resulting in Cam jumping teams and ra- racing for Bob Linsky. Who is uh, the the big rival? Mm-hmm. Sam spends a lot of time with Becca, who finds out that Sam has quite the checkered past. 
like that there, <laughs> uh, including a car accident that kills his wife and Cam's mother in a 1970 Boss 302 Mustang, which is in perfect condition later on in the movie. Like, yeah, he doesn't like it, but it doesn't like what happened, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Still restores the car, uh, yep. but, but don't look at it. Um, Sam comes back to racing uh, after his son leaves and quickly starts winning. Like nothing happened mm-hmm. at all. Like he's not yeah. rusty at all. No, there was none. They called it cobwebs. <laughs> he shook off the cobwebs. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of the rust. But right. anyway, go, go ahead. L- Linsky orders Cam to crash his dad out, but Cam doesn't do it. So Linsky gets another driver to take Cam out in mm-hmm. a race. Sam doesn't see the wreck until it's too late and collides with Cam's car, ripping it in half, which almost becomes the movie's second vehicular homicide. Right. Um, while Cam is on the mend, Sam sells the Mustang to get a brand new car from a man named Ben Buck Taylor, who has the most impressive dialogue in the whole movie <laughs> and, and mostly accurate too. uh, Cam heals from his injuries as Sam realizes he's in love with Becca. Stumpy reveals how he got his nickname, where he got it bit off by a, his leg bit off mm-hmm. at, yep, by, by an gator. alligator. Yep, um, mm-hmm. and he was saved by by Sam. Right. Uh, Cam wins in his comeback, and everybody's happy. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it was the ending was so sweet. I got diabetes from it. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part of the movie was the fact that Stumpy drinks PBR Pounders, which you can get for two dollars at Duffy's Bar. My, my favorite was when it was over. <laughs> and that was my second favorite part about it. Uh, I didn't like how the announcers basically told the whole plot of the movie yeah. during the racing action. Yeah. Like as if the audience wasn't smart enough to figure it out. Or they cared yeah. for that matter. Like they literally at one point say, You can't write this stuff. And I'm I was sitting there saying <laughs> They shouldn't have wrote this stuff right. for the announcers. Yeah, uh, well, so uh, so please don't watch this movie. But <laughs> for those of you curious, uh, yeah, they would they would do things like um, uh, uh, Bob is uh, boy Bob and Sam the man have a history of they just don't like each other and and then later on when when uh, Cam. Moves on from Sam, which was also silly. Right. Uh, Cam, uh, uh, now Cam is driving for his dad's rival. And, like, first of all, nobody cares. And uh, second of all, this is just as, I mean, this is Wisconsin cheesy. (laughs) It's bad. Yeah, I would agree there. Um, Another thing that I really hated from this was, you know, the racing, racing scenes itself weren't too bad they weren't horribly you know no those were all right they were they're good except for the fact that the engine noises were a bit different i mean sure. every once in a while you'd go from cars that sound like four-cylinder little hornets or bang bangers going around the racetrack uh, and they're driving full-on late models which are v8 motors and stuff mm-hmm. to uh they have like monster truck sounding motors for yeah. a moment and then like they'd show a close-up of the car with the driver's face and everything and it would sound like they're driving indie cars at uh-huh. a certain point and shifting too. Yeah. I, I heard shifting at least <laughs> once, which you don't do on a track that's the size of the Talladega short track. Yeah. You pretty much put it in your drive gear and go. Right. And <laughs> so was, I gave it a yellow flag because yeah. it stinks. Right. Um, but which means proceed with caution. Okay. Well, it's, so mine, you brought up the forced dialogue. There was the, the dialogue was forced. Uh, it was written in such a way that um, uh, it's bad. How bad is it? Right. You know what I mean? It was kind of like that. The characters were one-dimensional, just awful. And the bad thing is I like John Travolta, and I really like Michael Madsen. 
you know, I I, I liked him in uh, definitely in Reservoir Dogs. If you've seen that, yes, uh, it was wonderful in that movie. Um, I I like those I like those two guys. Shania Twain, eh, but. And we talked about this. If she wasn't in the movie, it wouldn't have mattered. Right. It and, wouldn't have mattered one bit. And quite frankly, for her level of talent compared to the other people's level of talent, if you grade on a curve, she was the best actress in the movie, actor in general in the movie, I thought. I would, yeah, if you, on a very big curve. <laughs> um, I think it was, like I said, she was shoehorned into that movie. It yeah. was not great. And, uh, the other the other female character in there, I forget her name, Cindy, that yeah. was in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, was she really that important either? Yeah, probably not. I mean, yeah, there are scenes where you have to have somebody to talk to when I, people are mad at each other. But I, I did like I did like Stumpy's character. Stumpy was great. I liked Stumpy's character. He uh, could have he could have taken the place of both Shania Twain and Cindy. Yeah, he could have been like the voice of reason. Sure, that those those two females were shoehorned in for. Sure, yeah. Uh, I did not like Travolta's bad accent. <laughs> yeah, it kind of changed halfway it, through. It did. It it was a really bad southern accent and it got uh better or worse depending again how you're grading uh this guy's southern accent. But I gave it a black flag. Uh, <laughs> get it off the track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were meaner than me on this one. <laughs> I, yeah, it was I like I said, love John Travolta, love Michael Madsen, hated this movie. So. <laughs> the IMDb score of this one, by the way, was a 4.5 out of 10. Man, that was good. Which, uh, that seems a little high. Mm-hmm. It does. And I saw online the, on the thing, it said a 68% approval rating. I said, I doubt really? that. I doubt that. No, that can't be. That must mean they didn't poll everyone. No, no, no. They t- polled 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the people that liked it probably were like, well, this is about racing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, we can move on. Right. <laughs> We should. <laughs> okay. We had NASCAR action. That's right. Uh, Sunday, February 5th, the NASCAR Clash at the Coliseum. Martin Truex Jr. was a winner in a caution-filled running mm-hmm. of the NASCAR Clash at the Coliseum. Second running of the, at the famed football stadium. Mm-hmm. The uh, Fox earned a 2.01 rating with a 3.647 uh, million viewers mm-hmm. watched that one. So that's big. That ranks, mm-hmm. I think, out of the top 10 races from last year, it ranks up into the top 10. Okay. Uh, second only to the Pro Bowl this last weekend, so that was uh, a big, big, uh, big viewer grab out of that that deal. So mm. a lot of the people that were angry about it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it you was know, a gimmick race to begin with. It's well, it's a gimmick race to begin with. I'm not. I watched uh, until I couldn't take the cautions anymore. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a gimmick race. I you know I take it or leave it. It it doesn't really mean anything. What I would like to see is. Put it on the schedule. Make it a three, four hundred lap race and put that guy on the schedule. Right. I I, I agree with that too. Uh, running it in stages like they did, and you know, every ten laps, someone get uh, dinged for a caution. And you got to penalize the people that are causing these things too. Mm-hmm. Any contact, send them to the back. Yeah. You're involved. Go to the back. Yeah. Uh, get some officials that actually work at these races now. Yeah. Um, uh, it was. Uh, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. It, it, I mean, uh, it's it's the kind of thing where you know you get rewarded by not spinning out. Uh-huh. So what's the difference if you take someone out? You get to move up. You get to take their spot. Right. And then you get to line up wherever you want on there and the the restart, whichever lane you want to take, so you can plow through more drivers. <laughs> so what's the point in driving yeah. clean if yeah. you don't get? Some kind or of some sort of penalty. Yeah, some kind of penalty on that one. Send them to the back. Mm-hmm. Make them sit for a lap. Right. One of those kind of things. Yep. Make them have to start from a standing start up in turn four after everybody goes by. Yeah. 
something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I say about this whole thing. Yeah. So, in, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it like you said, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I I take it or leave it. Like I said, I watched I watched over half of it, but I did I did not make it to the end. I I moved on to other things. I honestly I had to watch it again because I was sitting in a bar and towards the end of it, it I really wasn't paying attention either. But so, but yeah. uh, Wiz Khalifa put on a put on a performance at halftime. Cypress Hill opened yeah, it Cypress up. Cypress Hill was there at the beginning. Yeah, it was. It I was, thought it was great. Uh, uh, poor uh, poor um, uh, Gwen Stefani at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> what did they expect putting in there? We knew it was a yeah. grab, yeah. you know. Who? So what? Yeah. She brought in viewers. I guarantee yeah. you, more oh, viewers sure. than most of the drivers that were involved I'm, there. Had I known Cypress Hill was playing, I would have tuned in early enough to see them. I wouldn't have been so. sitting in the bar watching. I would have watched where I could actually hear them. <laughs> so anyway, there, there's that. Uh, really quickly, what is coming up? Well, we got Friday, February 10th, and Saturday, February 11th. Uh, we got racing going on pretty much all around the world here. Uh, XR Working Man Nationals at the XR Vegas Dirt Track. We talked about that. Modified stock cars, B-Mods, West Coast Sport Compacts, dwar- and Dwarf Cars. You can watch that live in RaceXR.plus. Also, Friday and Saturday, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars at Volusia Speedway Park, live on Dirt Vision. 47th Annual Winter Nationals at the Lucas Oil Late Models East Bay Raceway Park in Tampa, Florida. That'll be live on Flow Racing. And then uh, I'm trying to look through this, and I really don't see much coming on here. Our stuff that we got for next week, uh, that's coming up in just a little bit because we got a schedule release coming up here, Viking Speedway in Alexandria. Uh, they're going to start in May. May uh, it'll be They run on Saturdays mainly, so it'll be Saturday, May 13th, Midwest Modified Special to lead off. Saturday uh, the 20th, it'll be the Super Stock Special. Saturday the 27th, the Dirt Race Central Street Stock Tour. Then Sunday the 28th, it'll be the Dirt Race Central Street Stock Tour day number two. June, they go from Saturday the 3rd. It'll be Autocross Nationals. Never never seen that at that place. That should be interesting. Uh, Saturday the 10th will be Kids Night. Saturday the, uh, Saturday the 17th will be Free Grandstands. So perfect time for me to go. Uh, July, they got Saturday the 1st will be the Modified Special. Saturday the 8th, the Fallen Lyman Race. They're also racing the 15th and 22nd. Hall of Fame Night will be Saturday the 29th. And then in August, they have Saturday the 5th, that'll be Kids Night. Saturday the 12th, it'll be the Moonshine Mod Tour. First year for that coming up. Uh, Friday the 18th will be the Douglas County Fair. It's a TBA. That one has not quite been announced for that race. Sunday the 20th, they have the Demo Derby out there. Saturday 26th, Season Championship. Then in September, Saturday and Sunday, the 2nd and 3rd of September will be the Labor Day doubleheader. And then they have a couple of rainout dates for Friday the 29th and Saturday the 30th. All right, and then uh, we've got some uh, next week. We've got ice racing results. Uh, we're going to have another spoiler, spoiler alert. Yep. Uh, snake and mongoose, which I just heard about for the first time uh, about an hour ago. Really? <laughs> it's a good movie. I've seen it. I've seen it already. I liked it. Um, okay. Uh, it's very well. We'll do it next week. Yeah, we'll do yeah. that next week. We've already teased it enough. The, the uh, XR Working Man Nationals World of Outlaws at Volusia Locals Racing Nationally, a preview of the NASCAR season. That's which right. I'm looking forward to that. And so, all that coming up next week. In the meantime, uh, if you like this podcast, let your friends know. Let them to go to kfgo.com. Uh, you can find us, uh, as you say, anywhere podcasts are sold. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely uh, subscribe. Let your friends know. Have them subscribe, and you will have all 
the racing action that uh, you can handle right here at Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap Podcast. That's right. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Ryan Janke for Corey Litton. We'll see ya.